The client isn't going to care about how much you know until they know how much you care. So you can, you know, deliver the best consult in the world. You can hit them with all the best rehab exercises. You can share all the information, etc. But if you don't actually show a genuine interest in them and their story and helping them achieve what they want to achieve, then it's not likely that that's going to be a long-term ongoing um, client or relationship at all. That, my friends, was Lauren Cosson, and this is the Euphoria Health Podcast. Hey there, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. For any new listeners out there, I'm your host, Matt Sapala. If this is your first time joining in the conversation, firstly, welcome on board and thank you so much for joining in. The Euphoria Health Podcast originated from the word euphoria, which is defined as a state of intense happiness or excitement. And that's exactly what I aim to do, cultivate happiness through movement. This show is your one-stop shop for all things holistic health and sustainability. The four in euphoria addresses the four main pillars in which I believe to fall under the holistic health umbrella. And they include nutrition, movement, recovery, and mindfulness. On the show, we engage in insightful conversations, helping you to build on healthy foundations and set a new benchmark for your health, one that can be sustained for the rest of your life. I don't want to be your quick fix. I want to be your only fix. This week on the show, I sat down with osteopath and owner of the Performance Centre in Fitzroy, Lauren Cosson. The Performance Centre is a gym in which allied health professionals integrate with trainers or exercise physiologists to develop a rehab plan that is both attainable and sustainable, meaning your rehab journey is monitored from the beginning to the end all in-house, and I love that. This space also acts as a general training facility too. In today's chat, Lauren and I put on our business hat and we spoke about specific components of business that can increase client retention as well as provide the best experience for your members. Lauren being an osteo and myself being a personal trainer really enjoyed elaborating on how these skills can be transferable between the two fields. We really narrowed in on the initial consultation and just how important this step is in a client's journey. We want to nurture our clients from the lead generation stage all the way to ongoing relationships and consistent memberships. And relationship building and connection are at the forefront of these decisions. These skills are so vital in customer facing industries like allied health and personal training. And it truly shows that you care about your members or your patients when you can effectively conduct an initial consultation as well as follow your client's journey from the beginning all the way to until the end and even beyond that to nurture them into their own realm and I really love this conversation. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. Thank you so much Lauren for your time. It was really insightful and a change of pace to focus more on the business side of things. As usual friends, if you've got someone in your life that you think will benefit from hearing this content, don't forget to send that over to them. And also, if you're feeling extra gracious, head on over to iTunes or Spotify and leave a rating and review for the podcast. It is the single best way the podcast can continue to grow. Take it away, Lauren. Such an extraordinary way to start a podcast. Lauren is like to me, hang on, let me have a cough. (laughs) 
and take a photo. <laughs> Loz, welcome to the Euphoria Health Podcast. How are you, mate? Thank you. I'm very well. Very well indeed. We had to kick Lola out, which is Lauren's beautiful Labrador puppy. Unfortunately, the pitter pat from her paws is going to pick up in the background mic. So if you're listening in, Lola, I apologize. <laughs> She's deeply upset. <laughs> you knew a claw at the door downstairs. This one's been in the pipeline for quite some time, mate. I, I know we've been in contact through a mutual friend. Um, love everything that you're doing at the Performance Centre. I love your whole ethos behind how you're encouraging coaches and allied health professionals to take that next step and almost like change their standard of what the industry portrays. So I'm really, really pumped to dive into specifics of that a little bit later on in the pod. But before we get going, I'd love to know, and I'm sure the community would love to know the most down-to-earth thing about you. Oh, how that is an incredible introduction. I think I'm blushing. <laughs> um, thank you, Matt. Um, I think the most down-to-earth thing, I mispronounce words every day. Like, I'm in mentoring sessions and with clients, and I can never say words right. Or I completely get the words wrong. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> no, I love that. I think um, I like to start the podcast off like that because you are a real person. Like, <laughs> people see this image of your life people on social media. This is Lauren. Yes, this is real Lauren. <laughs> Yeah, um, to paint the picture for you guys, we're currently overlooking the city in Lauren's apartment in Port Melbourne. Such a great view, awesome podcast set up. And I'm actually pumped to get into this one, like I said, for all the reasons before. I think there's such a big gap in the market in terms of education for allied health professionals and for trainers out there. And with such a saturated market, with more and more people, more and more students coming into the industry, both fitness and allied health, I think these skill sets are really important to separate you from the crowd and not only separate you from the crowd, but also help the client achieve the best results, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's all about what makes you different. Why would someone come to you over anyone else? And not just that, but how you can best serve your clients, how can how you can take your uh, service and go above and beyond with it. Cause that's, what's going to get you some really great results. And that's, what's going to help you build a sustainable business really. Yeah. hundred percent. Let's chat business specifics after, but to paint the picture for everyone, talk to us a little about your second home, the performance center and how you got to where it is today? Oh, it's such a, a great question. And it's not something that I share too often, actually. So this is probably the first time that I've ever gone live with the full story. But um, I guess I started out working for someone else as a massage therapist when I was in my fourth year of my osteo studies. And I quickly discovered or found that um, working for someone else was not for me. <laughs> I guess like having to treat the way that they um, encourage you to, uh, the lack of freedom, all of those kind of things that come with being an employee or a subcontractor, I quickly decided that that was not my future. And so I was actually on the treadmill at a gym one day and I was like, I think that they've got an office out the back. And I called the gym manager while I was on the treadmill, walking in the gym. And I was like, mate, I know you've got an office. Would you rent it to me a couple of days a week? And he was like, yeah, I've actually been looking for a massage therapist anyways. And so I just got my portable massage table, uh, went down to Kmart, bought some towels, got some creams and was operational the next week. So I started working for myself in my fourth year of uni, building a massage list, um, a massage client base. And... 
I guess what I found was when I graduated, I had this really healthy list of massage clients that I'd connected with, built relationships with. And so then when I graduated, got my osteo calls, it was really easy to transition those clients across. Um, I guess like, yeah, relationships, uh, uh, building a relationship is probably the most important thing in um, retaining your clients long-term. And I found that that was um, super easy to just switch them across to osteo. So I walked into a pretty much a full uh, client base, 30, 25, 30 clients a week, which was really fantastic. And then it just grew from there. Um, I guess a series of unfortunate events occurred (laughs) in my first year out of uni. It was the first year of the pandemic. Um, Some communication breakdowns at the place that I was renting made a heap of mistakes myself um, to the point that I actually took an employment role, an employee role, a salary role uh, at the gym where I was working and ended up getting made redundant uh, due to uh, our values not aligning really and lack of shared vision for the future. Uh, But so I got made redundant and then I had a business mentor at the time and I called him crying one Friday afternoon because I was told not to come into the office the next day, not to contact any of my clients, that the guy would tell them that I've gone on holidays. And so called my business mentor and I was in tears and he was like, what the fuck? Number one, but number two, don't stress. Like we've got this, we'll figure this out. And so we sat down the next week and I guess just had a real open and honest, real raw conversation about the industry and the lack of support available for self-employed allied health practitioners that want to work for themselves straight out of uni because there are definitely more entrepreneurial individuals. There was just this real big gap in the market at the time. Uh, the only mentoring course that was available was like three grand a week. And so obviously as a new grad, no chance. chance. Um, but so we sat down and we actually kind of mapped out what it might look like if we were to create a physical facility that would enable us to reach more self-employed allied health practitioners and fitness, um, professionals too. And I, I guess, really help them get their businesses off the ground. And so that's how we landed on the Performance Center. Um, We found a warehouse in Fitzroy. Uh, That's probably my only regret in this whole journey, the building that we chose, but found the warehouse, uh, renovated the space. It was a gym previously, which was really great, but renovated the space. Um, I guess started operating May last year, got shut down for a little while through COVID. So we had three to four months where we went Um, operational obviously and then relaunched in November and it's been a wild ride since then uh so that's I guess the story of how the performance center came to came to be so much to unpack first and foremost I love how their amazing life decision came to you while you're walking on a treadmill (laughs) don't they all shower treadmill (laughs) there's something about static movement uh static movement (laughs) there's something about movement and life decisions I love it and secondly I I really resonated with what you said about allied health uh, practitioners and trainers or coaches that are coming straight out of university or their qualification and having no educational support to then start their own business. Like you've got so many facets to your craft that focuses on that client care. And then you've got to focus on the business sense, which no one really teaches you how to do straight out of uni, right? That's something that you sort of get with life experience and, and shadowing other people and through mentorships Mm. and things like that. So to do that straight out of uni is such a hard task. Mm. Um, So hats off to you. Thank you. I I think I'm at the time it was like a a bit of, I guess just like an off the cuff decision, deciding to work for myself as a massage therapist. But I, what I didn't realize was I was setting myself up for future success in 
uh, creating space to make a heap of mistakes before I actually graduated. So I fucked up so many times when I was <laughs> delivering massages, <laughs> made all the mistakes then. So when I graduated, I'd actually already, I guess, like learn a heap of those um, the key learnings from the first 12 months in business. So I guess I was just in a better position to be able to do it myself. But then I sat back and I thought, why can't we create a, a company that helps other people do that too? Yeah, I love it. So you've got um, so many different pillars to the performance center. Mm. You've got obviously the face-to-face component through Allied Health and mm. you've got the, the fitness component. And then you've also got this huge educational component as well yeah. in a sort of 60 second summary without giving away the secret <laughs> source. How do you divide your time between all those three facets? And if there's more, feel free to add. Oh God. I have a team that I, I guess, like delegate a load of tasks to. Um, They are what keeps the center running, really. I try and manage my time with my, I guess, um, my osteo clients well. So I tend to time block and I guess separate or um, split my day into two clients and business separately. And then the online stuff, that's, I guess, where my passion really lies. So I end up finding that I'm doing that a lot more, I guess, than I'd anticipated. Um, but I tend to have every Wednesday and half of Sunday to do my online stuff. And then the rest is just like blocked, um, throughout the week. So I think time management number one, and just outsourcing and offloading as much as you possibly can so that you can actually achieve more because, um, you can't do it all and surrounding yourself with people that can help you is the number one thing that's going to actually help you get things done. Yeah, I love that. And I think delegation and like building a team of people, like-minded individuals that share a common Mm. goal, I think that's one of the hardest things to do Um, and to, yeah, to build a tribe that's working towards together is extremely difficult. So curating that's really, really challenging. Um, So great work there. And I'm I'm so torn about which avenue to take this conversation (laughs) because there's so many different pillars that we could go down. And I know we were chatting off air a little bit about how we're going to structure this. going to dive into some specifics, I guess, for allied health practitioners or um, any, I guess, trainer out there or coach that's involved with the community. Um, initial consultations are such an important aspect of that. That's how you're generating your leads into clients, right? So how you're going to, that's the gap between them. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's such a big gap in the market in terms of initial consultation, because like everyone thinks that you're going to get this beautiful lead prepackaged and they're just going to walk into your door and, and be their quote unquote mm. perfect client for you day one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a mountain of work that goes into the back end to generating that perfect client and helping mm. attract it first and then generate it into that it's that perfect client. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, or if you have anything to add, the initial consultation is a fantastic way to do that. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most important, um, milestones on the client journey, right? So obviously it takes a heap of work to get a new client, like you said, (laughs) but once we've got them or, uh, had them express interest in working with us, it's what we do next that is going to determine whether or not they become a long-term client of ours or if they're just going to stay stuck in that cycle of trying trainer after trainer or practitioner after practitioner and not really achieving any results. So I know we were speaking about this and the way that you lay out your initial consultation, I believe to be one of the most important um, pieces. Uh, I actually ran an online workshop on this a little bit earlier in the year and the feedback from that was absolutely incredible. And, um, I think that it's something that's not really taught in uni. So they teach you how to like clinically assess, how to clinically diagnose, particularly in allied health or well, only in allied health. 
no PTs diagnosing chronic back pain, are they? I hope not. <laughs> Who knows in this day and age? But they teach you everything that you need to know about, you know, like anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, whatever. But there's a huge um, lack in communication skills. They brush over it pretty quickly. Um, but if you actually just take a little bit of time to develop your initial consultation skills, then um, you can achieve some really wonderful results. Um, and I think that the main purpose of it is really to connect better and connect more with people. So to get a better understanding of who they are and what's brought them in to see you at that particular point in time. Um, without diving deeper into that and asking a few key questions, then it's likely that they'll uh, either come see you a couple times and then maybe self-discharge, fall off the bandwagon, or they might not even, I guess, rebook in the first place. But um, getting to know them a little bit better and actually getting an understanding of what their pain points and what their pain points are and what they want to achieve can go a really long way. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd love to elaborate on that a little bit further later on, but just to branch off what you said before, like communication, connection, relationship building and rapport, which are all the same thing, just prepackaged in different words, <laughs> I think is one of the most crucial aspects for any interaction that you're going to have. And there's such great life skills that are transferable in any industry, particularly yeah. within allied health and, and like fitness. Yeah. Yeah. There's a quote that a mentor once um, said to me on a group call and I can recall it every day. Um, it's the client isn't going to care about how much you know until they know how much you care. So you can, you know, deliver the best consult in the world. You can hit them with all the best rehab exercises. You can share all the information, etc. But if you don't actually show a genuine interest in them and their story and helping them achieve what they want to achieve, then it's not likely that that's going to be a long-term ongoing um, client or relationship at all. I'm intrigued for anyone that's scratching their head at home and wondering how to actually do this. Like we're talking about it. How would you get someone from the prospect stage, say someone's messaged your Instagram page, how would you get them from that stage to then the initial consultation without doing the initial consultation? How do you build rapport and how would you, you know, build that trust? Yeah, absolutely. So, I guess you you want to think about this like dating, right? So you're not going to go and launch straight into a huge conversation straight off the bat. You're going to get to know them a little bit better, get to um, get to understand what they're actually looking for, know what key problems or challenges they're facing, and then you're going to start to think about what solutions might actually be a good fit for them. And so this can all happen in the DMs, right? You can ask them you know, what's going on for you? Is there anything that you're struggling with? Um, is there anything particular that you'd like to work on together with myself? What would you like to achieve out of, you know, your time with an osteo? Uh, you can actually ask all these kind of like prep questions before you get someone in for the initial console. But I like to make it like, um, pretty much like protocol that I'm hitting all of my clients once they've booked in with that pre-appointment phone call. So obviously getting them to book in, there are some skills, um, involved in that. Like you want them, you, you want to be able to, um, convert them from a lead into an actual client booking. But then once they've booked in, I think that one of the most important things that often gets missed is that pre initial appointment phone call. So it's reaching out and saying, Hey, I'm actually 
um, really looking forward to working with you without saying it with those specific words. It's like, Hey, just touching base to confirm your consultation, your appointment. Um, can't wait to see whatever it might be. You you might develop your own little spiel, but usually I like to try and have a little mini convo or a mini history, take a little mini history with them before I actually get them in so that I can start to develop rapport and I can start to show them that I'm going to have the solutions that are going to be helpful for them. So that can all happen on a phone call. There are a number of different ways you can do it, but, um, if you're a PT, for example, you might send out that pre, um, pre-coaching survey form. But as an allied health practitioner, I think a phone call is the most or the easiest way to build rapport with someone. Um, and then if you think about this in, I guess, like a, a business or if you put your business hat on and, and look at this too, then you developing a relationship with someone or putting time and energy into a conversation with them before they actually come in, it's not just going to be beneficial for the connection, but it's also going to, you know, like reduce the chance that they decide to cancel their appointment last minute, or they decide to push it out because they don't really need it right now. It's much easier to cancel on someone if you've never spoken to or met them before. But if you jump on the phone, then it not only helps to build that relationship and improve your connection, it's also improving the likeliness that they're actually going to attend. I, I totally agree. I think that, pre, um, that pre-session phone call is so, so important because you're actually putting a human element to a digital mm. interaction, right? Like mm-hmm. you can have a conversation over message and it's a completely different conversation to having one over a phone call, right? Mm. You've like got that ability to build rapport and you've got that ability to, to find that common ground with that person just based off a few key questions. Like, mm. how's your day been? Oh, I've been to the gym. Oh, amazing. Like, what have you been training? And you've got this ability to add on these follow-on questions. It's helping you build rapport and helping you get an idea of mm. fallback questions to ask in your consultation, which yes. is going to come further. So I think it's such an important aspect um, to it. I love it. Yeah, it's really fantastic. And like, that's not something that they're going to teach you at uni. That's not something that they really teach you in an employ, a place of employment either. It's kind of just like, this is your list for the day. These are your bookings and you're going to service them. But when we think about delivering a really high quality service, I think about going above and beyond. And what does that look like? It looks like touch points outside of the half an hour that you spend in the room with them. It's building that like that genuine connection so that you can truly support this person long-term. I was um, signing up to a new booking software. Well, I actually didn't end up signing up because of this one reason I was speaking about. And the customer service representative that I was speaking to said the words like, this streamlines your communication. So you don't actually have to speak to anyone before they come. (laughs) I'm just like, hold on a minute. Like, isn't that the whole point of what I do? Like I want to be able to interact with those people before they come here. So I know what I'm getting into. You're looking after yourself in so many different areas and you're looking after that person. If they've got pre-existing injuries from a fitness point of view, you want to be aware of that prior to them coming. So you're not left on the fly to think about things that you can do to potentially ruin that relationship or injure that person further. You want to be able to, um, put a face to the uh, put a voice to all the communication there's so many mm. different pillars that can happen and I didn't end up signing up with that software because of that one main reason so I think it's vitally crucial yeah I had the exact like the exact opposite experience literally yesterday I was signing up to a new mail server and I was thinking about you know like trying a few different ones and then the guy that I signed up for the free trial with actually got me on the phone and he was like hey I'm the customer service or customer whatever success guy I just wanted to reach out and see how you're finding the free trial and uh, ask if you were thinking about continuing on and that he got me on that phone call and I was like oh my 
God, he's called me individually. Like, holy shit, I feel so special right now. It's so true. And it works. It it 100% works. I'd love to find out some stats on conversions from a business point of view for for people that actually focus on that um, pre-consult call and people that don't and and look at like conversion statistics. It'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Mm. I think reflecting on my own practice, when I have done this, it has led to some really wonderful relation, like client relationships. When I haven't done it, like that's when the opportunity for, you know, like late cancellations and people um, rebooking or not showing up has like, that's actually occurred. Yeah. Love it guys. That's a fantastic tip for anyone at home before your actual initial consultation, the work starts there. So getting on the phone and actually putting a voice to the communication, getting to know someone and, and getting a bigger picture of who that person is about before you get step into the, the room for the initial consultation. It's no secret that I choose to adopt a plant-exclusive diet for all of the amazing health benefits while simultaneously preserving the lives of the animals I love so much and the health of our planet. I love aligning with brands who share the same values. And that's why this show is brought to you by Greenback, an Australian-made and owned health and wellness company who is completely plant-based and vegan-friendly. Greenback's Better For You range features clean, complete plant protein powders, bars, cookies, and ice creams in a range of different flavors. As well as being high in protein and fiber, the whole range also has the added benefits of being gluten, dairy, and preservative-free, so it's fun for everyone. The convenience of having great-tasting, high-protein plant-based options when I'm on the go has been a lifesaver. My personal favorite is the protein bar that is the sacred combination of dark chocolate and mint. Alongside the great tasting bars, Greenback have also just launched a high protein ice cream, making dessert an option every single night. The salted caramel flavor is heavenly. For friends of the podcast, the team at Greenback have enabled you to get a nice little discount when shopping online. Head on over to www.wearegreenback.com to see a full list of products. And don't forget to use the code Euphoria Health at the checkout for 10% off the entire range. I will also have a direct link in the show notes for where you can purchase online. You can also get your hands on the Greenback product range at all major retailers, including Woolworths, Coles, and Chemist Warehouse. All right, let's get back to the show. Lauren, when you're coming into the initial consultation realm, are you doing this typically face-to-face? Are you doing this over Zoom? Tell us Mm. a little bit more about how you're doing that and then we'll dive into specifics. Yes, I've kind of dabbled with both. So I have had like a discovery call type um, appointment available and that has been really interesting because I think it allows you to, I guess, just feel someone out and get a, get a feel for whether, you know, you're actually going to be able to help them and on the flip, whether you're, they're going to be a good client for you. Um, <laughs> cause we, we, you know, like we don't all want to be working with everyone. Um, and you're also not going to be the right fit for every single client that is out there. Um, so I found that the discovery call was really helpful, uh, in regards to that, but I'm back on to just an initial console. And so when my new client comes in, depending on what they're coming in with, I like to give them the option of two different styles of initial console. So one, if that client is after some traditional osteo, I guess, like treatment, then I'll give them the option of uh, having a bit more of a hands-on rehab type consultation. 
And that's totally okay because that's what I do. I'm an osteo by trade. But if I have a client who's come in and uh, maybe they've been dealing with chronic pain for ages, perhaps they've seen a heap of practitioners and they've never gotten um, any good results, or um, maybe they uh, they they feel like someone's never really taken the time to actually listen to them, and they've never felt seen and heard. These clients, when I get that inkling that they fall into that category, I actually offer them a bit more of a game planning initial consultation. And so what that looks like is we have an actual real chat. We have an open and honest conversation about where they're at, where they want to go and how I can help them get there. So there have been a number of initial consults in the past that have just been me chatting to someone, still charging full fee for them. It's still, you know, providing a service, but I give them the option. I'm like, you can choose the red or the blue pill. (laughs) It's up to you. (laughs) I'm okay with either one. And then (laughs) with those people that I guess uh, want a bit more of an acute solution to their pain, obviously give them what they want because you want to make sure that you're um, on the same page as them and you're meeting expectations. But with those that are a bit more chronic painy, I tend to push them towards the game plan and, um, and providing them with that solid management plan so that they know exactly what the plan will be moving forwards. Yeah, I love that. I think that that's a fantastic um, point of view to take. And I'm really, really intrigued. I want to put a pin in this one and come back Mm -hmm. and unpack it a little bit more. I'm intrigued why giving the client or the person coming in a choice is such an important thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's essential because otherwise you're not going to get buy-in or engagement. If you tell the client exactly what they need, nine times out of 10, they might not be at the right stage of change. They might come in with a different expectation, you know? Um, so I think that that's where a lot of people often go wrong. Um, what I also have noticed is that the people that, when you put it back on them to make the decision, you're giving them the power to take control of their own future. So they're much more likely to do the work and to be engaged with the management plan than if you're just to explain, this is the best course of action moving forwards. You'll need to do X, Y, Z, and um, I'm going to see you again on blah, blah, blah. So I think putting the power in the client's hands and that starts with the initial consult with giving them the choice of passive or active management. Really. I think that giving them that power can go a really long way with them actually adhering to, to what you're providing. I think adherence is such a great word to use because the fact of the matter is where you're talking about fitness. So you're talking about um, chronic pain management or any sort of injury rehabilitation, it's up to the actual client itself to change mm. that from injury to like injury free. Right. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have buy-in, then it's useless, both from a fitness point of view and mm. from an injury point of view. If someone's coming to see you for one 45 minute session per week, like, yes, it's going to do a little bit, but it's not going to do much. Right. So you want to be mm-hmm. able to give that person the power to take control of their own health in all pillars. Um, and that starts by offering them the choice and making them feel quote unquote special. Yeah, exactly. It just makes them feel like they have the final decision. So they're much more likely to be fully on board. And I think the other beautiful thing about this is that if someone does come at you with, yeah, I just want the hands-on treatment. I just want that passive um, consultation today. And if you know that they're actually going to benefit from some bigger picture planning, maybe some more um, like holistic interventions, then you can say, that's fine. I'll give that to you today. I'm more than happy to do that. I'm an osteo. Um, But what we might do is if in 
two or three months time after maybe three or four consults, you're still experiencing the same issues, then we might book in an actual consultation where we, we take a step back and look at the bigger picture stuff and create a plan for you that is going to, um, I guess, like help you find a long-term solution rather than, um, acting reactively every time this problem pops back up. Love it. And I think from our communications, we would call that a review day. And I love how you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> putting my fancy hat on here. I yeah. think, yeah, reviewing the program that you're going to be on or the one that you're looking to potentially change, the fork in the road is such an important component as well to that initial consultation because it's setting yeah. a mini goal for someone to work towards. Yeah, exactly. Like you're committing to working together for X period of time, depending on the injury or the, uh, the goal that the client has in mind. And I think a lot of the time, what the client wants to know is that if you are not able to help them, that that's not the end of the road. So by setting a review date, you can also have a date where you're going to check in and you can pre-word, like you can, um, you can prep them and say, Hey, look, if we aren't, um, as making as much progress as you would have liked, then at this date, we are going to be able to sit down, have a good chat, and we're going to be able to figure out what else might need to go into this picture, into this recipe so that you can actually get where you want to go. Yeah, I love that. I think from a fitness point of view for myself, I do all of the above as well. And I'm a little bit different, I guess, from a fitness and a allied health there. Mm. The skills and the conversations are very transferable, but they're also very unique at the same time. Mm. Fitness is a little bit different than sort of like pain rehabilitation mm. and, and management in that point of view. I'm When I'm going through my initial consults with um, my potential clients, I'm letting them know about my... Um, quote unquote, minimum commitments or what I think that the prescribed time frame to achieve their X goal would be yeah. um, within that and setting sort of like some minimum standards within that conversation then yeah. um, and utilizing that in an educational way, not a like a derogatory way, in an yeah. educational way. Like if you're wanting to come and lose 10 kilos and your goal is to lose it in six weeks, it's really not that realistic. So setting a, a minimum time commitment and minimum standards that is yeah. going to help achieve you, like help you achieve your goals, I think is really, really important as well. Um, yeah. I, let's see how it's like, it's sort of transferable to allied health, but not um, 100%. So whatever industry that you're in, I think further, like further considerations for, um, the consult is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, taking that and applying that to allied health, the way that I would usually do that is by saying, look, um, for a person with this condition or injury, etc., the usual, um, recovery timeframe is X amount of weeks. So what we can do is, uh, work together for however long and the, whatever week period is going to look like this, this, and this, and then you can have that review, review date at the end. So very similar, but just with slightly different, I guess, interventions and probably slightly different goals. Putting our business hat back on. I know we're swapping hats a lot in this conversation, but always. <laughs> that's such a fantastic thing from a business point of view as well. Knowing mm. that you've got that recurring, I guess, income coming in and you're knowing that it's not just going to be a sporadic, I'm going to come mm. and see you when I've got pain because that could be once every 15 weeks. Like mm. if you've setting up that recurring income for, you know, eight weeks consistently and then you're never seeing that person again, it's not, it's doing you wonders from a business point of view as well as it is a personal point of view and for the client. Mm, yeah. You're actually able to 
get some really fantastic results for them and you're able to achieve a little bit more consistency for yourself. Um, having an idea, particularly as a new grad of how many times you would typically like to see someone, um, particularly linking it back to like common goals and the stages involved is going to make it really easy for you. If you have, I guess, like a template or a skeleton that you're able to follow and then plug it in, depending on the condition, then you know that you're likely going to be able um, or going to be suggesting to people that you're working together for a certain period of time, because that's what most other people do when they have that condition. Um, it's going to reflect with, you know, your client numbers in your bank account. Yeah. hundred percent hit the nail on the head and I hear you say this a lot and particularly in your online mentorship Zoom calls as well. Like without sales, you don't have a business. So mm. this word sales, it shouldn't be as taboo as what it is, right? Like you need... It gets a bad rap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you can't sell something, if you can't sell a solution to someone's problem properly, yeah. you don't really have a business. Not at all. I think I had a really inter- interesting conversation with the mentee last week about this and it definitely gets a bad rap in healthcare because I think a lot of people view sales as you convincing or forcing or coercing someone into seeing you, even if they don't need it. Right. But if we, I guess, think about sales a little bit more ethically, then we are simply providing a solution to a problem. It's like anything else. Um, and then the ethical part is recognizing that you are not going to be the right fit for everyone. So in the instance that you cannot help someone, you're instead directing them to someone else that can. Um, and then on, I guess, to build on that, when someone is going to, or when you are going to be the right fit for someone and you can help someone being really transparent with what working about what working together is going to look like so that they know exactly what's going to be required from them to achieve their goals. So I love sales. I used to hate it, but I, I think that I went through a really big learning period, um, or learning phase, uh, like start of last year where I wanted to really nail my sales technique really. Um, and so I've split it up into, I guess like a couple part or a three part, um, process. And this is what I teach a lot of my mentees as well. One, you're understanding the person and their challenges and their problem Two, So like taking a little mini history, essentially Two, you're able to, when you put your clinical hat on, suggest uh, like some potential solutions for them. And then three, you're able to clearly explain how you are going to be able to help with those solutions. So how you might be able to support them in working towards their goals. So three parts, get a better understanding, form a clinical picture, tell them the solution just in general, and then tell them how you can help them with that. And then I find that that's a really fantastic way to, to structure a sales call. Yeah, beautifully summarized. I don't have anything to add. I think confidence in that realm is super, super critical as well. Mm. Um, when talking to a potential client or a prospect or even in your initial consult, you've got that person in the door and they're putting faith in you to guide them on the right journey. If you don't go mm. to that meeting or that consult with confidence, it's going to leave them feeling like they've made the wrong decision. So mm. doing the reps and practicing this and being confident in that conversation, I think is such an important part as well. Yeah, definitely. I... I used to hate this, right? That first year of practice, um, I hated rebooking. I hated 
sales calls. I hated it all. <laughs> Hence going and trying to get out of business, I guess, um, and taking a salaried role. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can go and practice with your friends. You can practice with your family. I was like 9 PM practicing with the person that I was dating, rebooking the clients for the next day. <laughs> this is <laughs> like grab whoever you can and practice having conversations with your clients, get the reps in, visualize it before you actually head into the consult and have a really clear, um, I guess, idea of how you're going to get your point across and how you're going to communicate with them. Cause then it becomes really easy. It's like almost second nature. hundred percent. The more reps you do, the better you're going to get at it. I have yeah. a similar experience. I never used to be confident in explaining the cost of the program. Yeah. So I would always like turn my head away and like whisper the cost under my 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 breath so i get to that end point which is like the home run yeah securing the sale and i just be like like what i'm like (laughs) (laughs) it was so hard for me to actually physically talk about the cost of this program which is like the the easiest part but i went through the hardest part um so yeah put a lot of work and did the reps in actually being confident in your knowledge your worth knowing that you're providing a solution to someone else's problem and then being really confident in that um final step which is explaining the cost and how to pay yeah and i've noticed a huge difference in new prospects converting to actual clients and retention of clients or wanting to upsell to other programs that i have it's been huge Mm. so confidence is key yeah definitely um, I think that cause we're not taught how to book a client in and how to communicate the cost of a session, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just send them a text message while sitting across the table. It costs this. Carrier pigeon. I'll write it down and attach it to Lola's collar. <laughs> She'll deliver the cost of the service. <laughs> um, but when you take that three part, like sales combo, you've already, highlighted that you've got the solution to this person's problem. So then delivering the cost becomes really easy after that. So once you've said, look, this is how I'm going to be able to help you. This is how long it'll take for you to see some results. It's then just bang, like straight, it leads straight into this is the cost of my initial, um, I'm going to grab your details and book you right in. Literally it's that easy, but unless that person knows that you're going to be able to help them first then I think that that's like the missing link with a lot of people when they're doing these sales calls definitely you're not going to buy something off someone you don't trust so that's where that rapport um, comes in putting your business hat on and highlighting all of these steps that we are about to speak about in the Mm. initial console if we haven't already unpacked a can of worms so (laughs) if you haven't got your notepad out I would highly suggest you do so guys (laughs) Um, another important thing I wanted to highlight before we go into specific questions to ask, mm. um, the initial consult is a great way for you to determine if that person's a good fit. Like you said before, you're not going to want, you can't work with everyone and yeah. finding your ideal quote unquote client that's going to help serve you, that it shares similar values and it's on the same path. It's a great opportunity for you to highlight your values to them yeah. and really pick and choose who's going to be a good fit. Obviously it's easier to do when you've got, you know, a full book of clients, you've got consistent clientele. And when you know, it's quite hard to turn away business. But I think that's another skill that a lot of allied health practitioners and PTs need to learn how to master to learn how to stay in their lane and focus on who they're going to serve and know who to refer onwards so that you can still pass that person onwards um, to someone else who can help them. 
Absolutely. I think when I started saying no to clients, that was when things really started um, changing for me. Um, but I haven't, I guess, niched down in regards to a certain like demographic or condition or presentation or anything. I think I've niched down in regards to the client's mindset. And so the initial consultation, a lot of it, because I'm so movement based, I guess, with my management plans and with my approach, if the client isn't in the, like, even just in the smallest bit, willing to incorporate some form of movement or lifestyle change into their treatment plan, management plan, then I'm quite upfront with them. And I tell them that I'm, look, I'm happy to do this for you today, but I'm probably not going to be the best person for you moving forwards as I tend to work really closely with my team of coaches, SNCs, EP, etc., because we know that getting people moving is what gets long-term sustainable results. And then what I often do is I give them the option. I'm like, look, if this is something you're interested in, I'm more than happy to work for you. But if not, then I'm going to recommend you to someone else who um, just focuses purely on hands-on, you know. I think we could have a whole podcast recording on that topic itself because <laughs> that is such a difficult conversation to have and yeah. really, really difficult to say no because especially yeah. when you're putting your business hat on, you're like, oh, my God, like I see dollar signs. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a client coming in. But, but then, they're not going to be long-term clients, right? They're going to yeah. come in a couple times and because your expectations are not aligned, they're going to either self-discharge or like fall off your client list anyways. So wouldn't it be better to reserve that space for someone who is truly aligned? 100%. And if you think of a return on investment for your energy that yes. goes into it, and that's an area where a lot of people that aren't necessarily self-employed understand that your mm -hmm. energy is your business, right? So mm -hmm. you need to be able to direct that in ways that's going to serve you and get a return on your investment. So mm -hmm. being clear on your values and who your target market is when you're talking about a specific clientele from a PT point of view, mm -hmm. um, niching down, whether that's fat loss, muscle gain, blah, 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 in allied health having a specific mindset or a person that you're trying to attract, I think is awesome as well. Nailing mm. down on those values and really sticking strong to those is going to help you in the long run. Mm -hmm. um, easier said than done though. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. And we all have slip ups every <laughs> now and then. Yeah. I think the only thing that I'd add, and this is something that I have conversations with people about all the time, but um, we get so scared to, I guess, say no to people or to, to, refer them on because you know like that is a lost lead a lost client lost money but then what if you reframe that into an opportunity for you to connect with another business person for you to share a lead with someone that you you know and you value um so while it might be lost money or a lost client for you individually you can use it as an opportunity to really go and like build your network out to connect with other local business people to find new referral partners so the flow-on effect of not holding on to these people who are not right for you can be so great you just have to i guess reframe that and switch your mindset around it absolutely love it hit the nail on the head and if someone else is in that position where they're not right for you you're opening the door for them to refer onwards so it's give and take exactly yeah like you're gonna see that come straight back definitely this podcast is brought to you by Emil, a health and wellness company backed by science to help you become the most vital version of you. Greens powders can often be clunky, grainy, hard to digest and can leave you feeling bloated. Luckily for you, Emil alongside leading scientists and expert formulators have designed Shine Greens. 
Shine Greens is a perfectly curated blend of over 60 nutrients which can support digestion, reduce bloating, improve vitality and support your overall health and well-being by assisting the body's natural detoxification process. I personally take Shine Greens daily. Just one sachet in my daily smoothie leaves me feeling energized enough to continue to do the job that I love the most, which is promote health and active living to my community through the power of movement. To get yours, head to www.emil.com forward slash Euphoria Health and click on Shine Greens. That's www.emile.com forward slash Y-O-U, the number four, I-A Health. And use the code Euphoria Health at the checkout for a nice little discount. It's important to note that any modifications to your diet and lifestyle should be done so under the guidance of your healthcare practitioner. All right, now let's get back to the show. Love it. So we've gone through, I guess, the basis in depth of what an initial consult is and why it's so important and some specific points to highlight. I'd love to talk about some questions to ask. Mm. Um, Obviously, this is highly individualized when you're coming in, particularly in allied health, depending on what you're coming in for. Mm. Um, And even in fitness as well, like it's generalized, but very, very unique to the individual what sort of open-ended questions uh oh there you go i've given away my, my answer to the question. <laughs> do you even want me on this podcast <laughs> it's just that <Matt> today <laughs> um, what sort of questions are you wanting to ask this person to make them feel comfortable safe and help you know build rapport and get a greater understanding of why they're in yeah so obviously start off with like a, a few low risk like low commitment questions to just see you know what they're up to what they're into what's what matters to them um the way that I like to structure my initial some kind of get to know you questions first if we have a common connection or if we have some common ground always trying to find a way to weave that in to I guess just start building that relationship out then I tend to explain who I am and what I do and then I get a little bit more information on their their presentation their clinical picture I like to think about it like my initial consultation as being in two parts. So there's the clinical picture, there's the clinical history, the developing a diagnosis, a prognosis, et cetera, but it does not just stop there. And so the second part to the initial consultation is that bigger picture stuff. And even if someone is super cute, you can still weave a few of these questions in. You can still dangle a few carrots because what you're going to be doing is setting yourself up for future success by being able to refer back to it. But the questions that I generally ask are all around, um, you know, like after the clinical picture, talking about what they want to achieve. So what's your goal? But it's not enough to stop at what would you like to achieve. You really need to dig a little bit deeper and find that person's underlying why or their motivation. Um, I, we see it happen all the time. Like people get busy, right? They uh, they take a new job. They uh, start a new sports on a new sports team. They start going to the gym. They do whatever. They have kids. They have friends. They have a social life. Someone's coming back. And when they get busy, healthcare and fitness to a degree are the first things to go. So unless you actually connect with someone's underlying motivation as to why they are there with you in the room and why now, then you are going to find that the likeliness of them being with you long-term is quite low. So, you know, like what, 
to give you an example of some specific questions, if we're thinking about pain, what's your pain stopping you from being able to achieve? If you weren't in pain, what would you be doing? Would you have any specific goals? Um, starting to, I guess, like dig a little bit deeper into pain points and pleasure points or goal states that they would like to achieve. And then I like to think about um, discussing a particular outcome. So I think the most important question for me is what would you like to achieve with our time together today? And then like thinking a little bit more long-term. So that is a question that I ask to every single new client. I ask it to my return clients. If I'm not sure, or if, you know, if it's up for question, what's on the agenda today, but what would you like to achieve without time together today um, is a huge game changer because it allows the client to fill that space with whatever they feel like they need on that particular day. A great question to ask in your follow-up review as well, not, not only just in your initial. Um... Mm, absolutely. And then from there, it's, I guess, drawing them back to where they are now. So what's the reality? It's like, okay, so you've just said that these are your goals. This is what you would want to achieve. And this is why it's important to you. Now let's take a look at where you are now. So what are you currently doing to try and work on that? What have you tried previously? Have you seen other practitioners, etc.? What has worked, what has not? Because then you're going to be able to start to form the game plan for them um, off all of these really wonderful responses that they give. And then after the, where are you now? Like, what's the reality? You know, what have you tried, etc.? Then you can start to think about starting to open up the discussion about what you're going to be doing working together. So what I often like to do for this part is refer back to what other people in their situation or with their condition or their complaint have found really useful or helpful. A little bit of, you know, social proof (laughs) in there too. So what's worked really well for other clients in this situation is, you know, like for me, I usually start off with a combination of some hands-on treatments and early stage rehab. And then I tend to work closely with a PT or SNC. So I hand them over and I either either do a straight handle or I co-manage them moving forwards. And so I outline exactly what that is going to look like or what that can look like across the um, the given time frame, and then checking back in and asking, how does that sound? Is there anything you'd like to add or is there anything you think that we've missed so that they have the opportunity to make it their own? I'm blown away. And I think that is such an amazing high level, um, recap of how initial consultation should go. A lot of practitioners and trainers go straight from what is your goal to then telling that person their treatment plan without actually finding out Mm. why they want to be there. And Mm. more often than not, their surface level goal is not the actual goal that they want to achieve. It's what they think you want to hear, Mm. if that even makes sense. Yeah, I get you. So I see this a lot from fitness. Um, I guess it's easier to say that in a fitness realm. I want to lose 10 kilos. Why do you want to lose 10 kilos? People have never really been asked that. Um, Or... I just want to look better. Why is looking better important to you? Mm. Oh, um, I want to feel confident. Bang, there's your confidence. That's the thing that you can branch on. And then you can even dig it deep, dig it 
deeper than that and get to a different outcome. I've had a an initial consult with someone before and we came to that exact conclusion that it was losing weight for confidence. But then we got down this, this route and we ended up finding her true main motivator, which was to be the example for her children. Yeah. So she can move and not be restricted when playing with her kids who are only young. Mm. That's her true motivator. And once you unlock that, you then... It becomes easier to do my job as mm. a PT and a coach because you can link every decision back to why you're doing it. The question is, do you want to get up at 6 a.m. to train or do you want to sleep in? You've identified to me that you want to be able to be more agile and be fitter and healthier to play with your children. Mm. Getting up at 6 a.m. is the path to do that. That's an easy decision for me. But without actually highlighting that, it becomes easy to brush it off. It's all right, cool. I'll do it another time. It doesn't matter. But once you really unlock that true why, it becomes easier to get your client or member to drive their own health journey. Absolutely. That's something that I come to come back to all the time as well is I, in follow-ups, if someone isn't adhering to the plan, I often sit them down at the start of the consult and I'm like, look, let's have a chat. Um, obviously we're not making as much progress as we'd like, this is particularly with my rehab clients that aren't doing their rehab. <laughs> but I usually say, look, okay, so in our initial, this is what you said was like really, really mattered to you. This is what was really meaningful to you. And what I'm seeing is that, you know, you're not making time for the rehab. You're not implementing X, Y, Z. And so I'm just wondering, is this something that actually does matter to you? Or are there other challenges, hurdles, et cetera, that you're encountering now that are making it difficult for you to stay on track when we're working towards the goal? And that in itself separates you from any other allied health practitioner or coach. Just asking these questions that it's not hard to do. It's really not that hard to do, but just asking them is a world of difference. You're giving someone a different experience. And the fact of the matter is the market's saturated. We spoke about that before. You've got the ability to walk down the street and see about 50 different chiropractors, but what's going to help retain that person and, and make that person have a good experience is these questions and building that rapport and actually being confident in mm. asking these questions in the first place. It's not necessarily the treatment or the end result. It's how you're delivering that, I think, is equally as important as the end result. Yeah, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I don't do this for everyone. Honestly, it's probably like maybe 30 to 40% of my initials. There are people who come in and they want the quick fix or they want the hands-on. And if I can see that they are considering making some serious change in the future, then I'll give them what they want in the short term, knowing that we're going to revisit it and come back to, you know, some movement, some exercise and whatever in the future. But I tend to ask these questions with almost everyone at some point in their journey. And what I found is the people that I'm not having these open and honest conversations with, they are the ones that, that cancel last minute, that don't show up to their appointment or that, you know, like discharge themselves even even though you've put in a, I guess the time and energy and even though they've said they've wanted something um without that open line of communication it gets hard to I guess stay on track and stay accountable yeah beautifully said and beautifully summarized I think um to tie that all in a bow the initial consultation we've spoken for like 50 minutes about questions to ask in this initial consultation. I think it's so, so important, but also giving and taking within that realm and mm. being 
being, I guess, humble enough to know that you're not always right. You don't know the answers all the time. So listening mm. intentively to what that person wants is also another big element too. And I love how you summarize that before. Like not, you're not always going to have this one size fits all approach to everyone. Mm, and if yeah. they don't mold to that, then it's not a straight no. It's how can I push back a little bit to then potentially educate that person at a later date moving forward. It's like a future investment. It truly is. And this is one of the best things you can do for yourself is plant the seeds early for what you want to be doing long-term. So if you get 12 weeks in and you know that you want to refer someone to your in-house PT and at that week 12, the 12 week mark, that's the first they've heard of it. They're likely going to be like, what the fuck? Like, that's just another expense. Why would I be going to PT? But if you've clearly explained in the initial, the first few consultations, that PT would be a really great option for how someone can continue working on XYZ without asking them to commit to anything. So just floating the idea, planting the seed, then it's going to be much easier to circle back to that a couple of consults or sessions later when you know you want to actually ask them to, to, you know, like reach out to the PT or book in an initial or something um, rather than trying to, I guess, like start from scratch. Love it. I am... I think it's a fantastic point in the conversation to cap it there because I know we've got a round two talking about client retention and how to bring these people in and keep them in long term um, from a business point of view. Um, for anyone out there that is wanting to look for, I guess, a new allied health professional, these are the these are the things to look out for as well. When you're going in for your initial mm. consult, if the practitioner is actually doing that, I think that's another great sign to know that you're potentially with the person that is going to help you along your health journey. So this is not mm. only for coaches or allied health practitioners in the industry, it's also for, for clients that are looking for, um, I guess, the right fit. Yeah, absolutely. Some things that I'd really be looking out for them actually caring and going out of their way to show that show you that they do them asking the right questions and not just jumping straight to the solutions and them letting you take the charge you know you make some of the decisions so that it's not all practitioner led that you're having an active role in your journey i love it do you have anything else to add from the initial consult point of view or should we save the rest for another time I reckon we save it, but if I had one piece of advice to give a new grad or early Just tell my next question, Lauren. Oh, my God. <laughs> nah, let's go good follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> You're running this podcast. I'm running my podcast now. <laughs> Hello and welcome to my podcast. I'm Lauren. <laughs> if I had one piece of advice, it would be to ask the client in the consultation, whether it's initial or, ret- or return, what they want to achieve with their session today because – um, a lot of the a lot of the time people don't feel seen and heard and you taking the time to ask that one thing is going to go a really long way. Beautifully said. I could not have said it better myself. Lauren, it's been an absolute blast. It's been um, a blast on my behalf. It's my podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to wrap this up? <laughs> I think anyone in the industry is landing on a goldmine when they come on this episode. It's been so 
vitally important for the growth of my business and helping me have these conversations, understanding how to construct an initial consultation and how to listen and communicate effectively has been such a huge win for mm. a business point of view and obviously a personal point of view as well. So these skills are definitely on the road to mastery. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. You're very welcome. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Love it. Always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> I'm going to steal that one. (laughs) Have a good day, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week. I hope you got as much out of today's episode as I did. As usual, let us know that you're listening by screenshotting the cover of the podcast and tagging Euphoria Health in on socials. Don't forget to subscribe to the Euphoria Health podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a nice little review if you're loving the show. Stay happy and stay healthy and let's get moving. I'll speak to you guys next week. The information found on euphoriahealth.com or any of its media platforms is intended for educational purposes only. Any statements made on these platforms are not intended to diagnose, cure, treat or prevent any disease or illness. Please consult with your medical practitioner before making any changes to your current diet and lifestyle.